Bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratty. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, August 5th, 2014. I'll begin this week by discussing a tax reform hearing about the use of dynamic scoring of the Tax Reform Act of 2014. That's also known as the CAMP Discussion Draft. I'll also alert listeners to the congressional recess, or should I say district and state work periods, and retirement of former House Majority Leader Eric Cantor. In our local housing tax rate section, I'll discuss three new bills introduced last week that would affect affordable housing. I'll also provide an update on efforts to resume payments to the National Housing Trust Fund. I say resume, but I really mean start, as no such payments were ever made. In New Market Tax Credit News, I provide a more in-depth analysis of the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund's release of New Market Tax Credit Program data, and I share the latest information from the Qualified Equity Investment Issuance Report. In our Renewable Energy Tax Credit segment, I share information about two senators, both named Chuck, and their efforts to draw attention to particular renewable energy tax credit programs. In our historic tax credit segment, I have an update on how the North Carolina Historic Tax Credit Program is faring in the state's budget process. So, if you're ready, let's get started. In general news, I'd like to share some information about the tax reform hearing that the House Subcommittee on Select Revenue Measures held last week. As you may recall from last week's podcast, the hearing concerned dynamic scoring of Dave Camp's tax reform discussion draft. And as I've mentioned before, it's more properly referred to as macroeconomic scoring, but for purposes of this discussion, I will refer to it as dynamic scoring. In opening the hearing, Representative Pat Tiberi said that the goal of the hearing was to provide feedback on the draft and the Joint Committee on Taxation's analysis of the tax reform proposal. The House Select Revenue Measures Subcommittee heard from six stakeholders about using dynamic analysis to score the effectiveness of the tax reform bill discussion draft. The witnesses represented the Tax Foundation, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the American Action Forum, and the Heritage Foundation. Additionally, a former chief tax counsel for the Ways and Means Committee and Joint Committee on Taxation testified, as well as a professor from Rice University. All the witnesses agreed that dynamic scoring should be used to rate tax reform proposals. And in general, they felt that the analysis performed on the tax reform proposal was a good first step. They said, however, that a lot more work needed to be done to determine the true effect of the proposed tax code changes. In addition to evaluating the current proposal, the economists suggested altering the proposal in some way. Two analysts suggested that changing a few aspects of the proposal could result in a better rate of return for the country. One suggested that aiming for a mostly revenue-neutral reform where the policy slightly favored domestic investment might be the best option. Another suggested determining an ideal growth rate and then aiming for reforms that achieved about half of that rate. Witnesses also suggested different ways of applying dynamic scoring to the tax proposal. 
One witness suggested that the Joint Committee on Taxation employs several different methods of dynamic scoring, and another thought that providing analysis of proposed changes as they are introduced, rather than reviewing a comprehensive plan, might provide a more accurate picture of the effects of particular policies. The subcommittee also requested comments from the public about the scoring, and if the subcommittee shares any of the comments it receives, I'll share those in future podcasts. I'll also share more information about the tax reform discussion draft as it becomes available. Now, this issue of dynamic scoring is of particular significance to the low housing tax credit and new market tax credit proposals in that they should cost less or even be revenue positive under certain dynamic scoring assumptions. On Friday, last week, the last day before Congress's traditional August recess, or should I say district and state work periods, Representative Eric Cantor announced that he'll not be returning after the break. He gave his final remarks as House Majority Leader on July 31st. He then handed the job over to California's Representative Kevin McCarthy. On August 1st, Representative Cantor wrote a blog post for the Richmond Times-Dispatch. In that post, he said his last day in the House would be August 18th. He's asked Virginia's governor to hold a special election for his replacement on Election Day this November. If a special election is held, the winner of the 2014 special election would start serving in November. Now, Majority Leader Cantor understood the significance of the low-income housing tax credit in helping low-income Americans, and his leaving Congress is a real loss for the affordable housing community. We at Novogratic wish him well in his future endeavors. And as I mentioned, the House and the Senate are now on their district and state work periods. The Senate did announce that when it returns after Labor Day, it plans a roughly two-week session before heading off for election and not coming back until after the November elections for a lame duck session. To the extent that the Senate holds the schedule, it certainly means the probability of getting much done between now and the election is all but eliminated. Stay tuned. We'll keep you posted when Congress returns as to the prognostication of particular bills during that short two-week period. In the low-income housing tax credit news, I have updates on a few bills as well as an update on funding the National Housing Trust Fund. The first bill I'd like to discuss would provide an appeal process for the designation of qualified census tracts, or QCTs, and Difficult Development Areas, or DDAs, under the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Program. This is a question we get once a year on the DDAs and more periodically on the QCTs when we have clients with developments in particular areas where they find that they believe their particular area should have been a QCT or a DDA but wasn't. Now, this bill would allow any state or local government agency to petition the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development to review the Secretary's designation for any area within that agency's jurisdiction as a QCT or a DDA. The agencies would have 120 days from the date that the list is published to file an appeal with the Secretary. In addition, any designation or revocation of designation would be valid retroactive to the beginning of the calendar year. The bill, H.R. 5198, has been referred to the House Committee on Ways and Means, and I'll provide an update on this bill as soon as more information becomes available. And if you'd like to learn more about the bill, go to www.taxcredithousing.com or contact Peter Lawrence in our Washington, D.C. office.
The next bill to discuss was introduced last week by Representative Robin Kelly from Illinois. This bill would extend the HUD Rental Assistance Demonstration Program, or RAD, through 2016. As you may know, RAD allows public housing and moderate rehab properties to convert assistance into long-term project-based Section 8 contracts. Current law caps these conversions at 60,000 units. If passed, the new bill would increase the program cap to 150,000 units. In case you're wondering about demand, HUD said that it has received applications for more than 176,000 units, and they received those by the end of 2013. About 57,000 units have now been reserved, and that means there's still a waiting list of about 117,000 units as of May. The legislation has been referred to the House Committee on Financial Services, and as always, we will keep you updated on the status of the bill. In the meantime, you can find the text of the Rental Assistance Housing Preservation and Rehabilitation Act of 2014, or H.R. 5222, at www.hudresourcecenter.com. And if you have particular questions about the RAD program, please contact my partner, David Conway, in our Dover, Ohio office. He can be reached at 330-365-5400. And finally, I'd like to alert you to a bill that I'll discuss in more detail next week. This bill would enable homeless students to qualify for low-income housing tax credit units. As you know, full-time students are not generally eligible. Under this bill, full-time students who have experienced homelessness in the last five years would be eligible. Democrat Senator Al Franken, along with Republican Senator Rob Portman, introduced the bill on July 31st. Now, as I said, I'll bring you more information about the bill next week. In the meantime, you can review an unofficial copy of the Housing for Homeless Students Act of 2014, or Senate Bill 2723, online at the Affordable Housing Resource Center. In other local housing tax credit news, I have another update on the National Housing Trust Fund. Unfortunately, it's not an announcement of funding. I do look forward, though, to being able to make such an announcement. For now, I want to remind you that I did provide a pretty extensive summary of the fund in the July 22nd Tax Credit Tuesday podcast, so I'm going to keep it brief now. The National Housing Trust Fund was created by the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008, and it's intended to be a dedicated source of funding for the construction and preservation of affordable housing. It is to be funded in payments from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but to date, it's not been funded. Well, members of the House of Representatives are making efforts to keep the fund from falling out of the limelight. More specifically, on July 21st, nearly 80 members of the House of Representatives sent Federal Housing Finance Agency Director Mel Watt a letter asking him to resume funding the National Housing Trust Fund, or I should say begin funding. The representatives said that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have repaid all the money provided to them during the recent recession, and they asked Director Watt to lift the temporary suspension. You can find a copy of the letter online at www.novico.com. Simply click on HUD on the Hot Topics page of the Affordable Housing Resource Center. Now, if you'd like a recap of what has happened with the National Housing Trust Fund during the past six years, I'd invite you to check out the July 22nd podcast. You can find that episode at www.novico.com slash podcast. In new market tax credit news... I'd like to first briefly note that we still 
expect the next round of new market tax rate allocation applications to open soon, likely this week, perhaps before you listen to this podcast. So continue to follow us on Twitter and register for our free breaking news emails, and you'll be the first to learn when the application round does open. I'd also like to share a little bit more about the investment data that the Community Development Finance Institutions Fund, or CDFI Fund, released last week. As I mentioned, the CDFI Fund has created a database of new market tax credit investments made between fiscal years 2003 and 2012. And the data shows that the program has grown significantly over the last decade. Now, you can start with 2003 when the program was just getting started and the total investment amount was only about $97 million. However, in 2012, the total investment amount had grown to more than $4 billion in just that year. In 2003, that $97 million went to 18 Qualified Active Low-Income Community Businesses, or QLICBEs. In 2012, community development entities invested in 437 QLICBEs. Altogether, from 2003 through 2012, nearly 4,000 Quillicbees received funding, more particularly 3,849. Of that 3,849, about 16.5% or 638 of those businesses were in non-metropolitan areas, receiving more than $4 billion in funding. And then the balance, or about 83% of qualified businesses, were in metropolitan areas. About a quarter, 925 projects, were located or at least partly located in areas that met all three indicators of severe distress. And more than 70% were located in census tracts that met at least one of the indicators of severe distress. Now, this database is a great resource for the New Market Tax Credit community. It provides a fascinating and detailed look at more than $31 billion in investments that have been made in low-income communities. If you want to review the data, please visit www.newmarketscredits.com. And if you have particular insights, what you've taken away from this data, shoot us an email at cpas at novaco.com. In other new market tax credit news, the CDFI fund last week released its latest qualified equity investment issuance report. These monthly reports identify new market tax credit allocatees, the total allocation amount received by each entity, total dollar amount finalized, and the amount remaining to be issued. According to the report, more than $89 million in qualified equity investments, or QEIs, were issued and finalized in July. This is $39 million less than the more than $128 million issued in June. That being said, this was well within the average range of QEIs issued each month during the past year. According to the August 1 QEI issuance report, nearly $4.5 billion in new market tax rate allocation authority is still available. However, that $4.5 billion, about $1 billion is from prior rounds, $3.5 billion is from the most recent round, and that $3.5 billion is awaiting signed allocation agreements. That being said, this $4.5 billion is quickly being unofficially committed to particular investments. If you want to read the latest QA issuance report, go to www.newmarketscredits.com. And if you need help finding an allocation or closing a transaction, please contact my partner Owen Gray in our San Francisco office or another Novogratic office near you. 
Now, let's move on to renewable energy tax credit news. In a conference call with reporters last month, Senator Chuck Schumer called for expanding the 30% investment tax credit to include biogas facilities. Senator Schumer said his proposal would be a great incentive for dairy farmers to build biogas plants on their land so they can turn dairy farm waste into renewable energy. Farmers could then use the energy themselves, or they could sell it to the grid for a profit. Expanding the tax credit to include biogas could be especially helpful to Senator Schumer's home state of New York. There are more than 5,400 dairy farms in upstate New York. Senator Schumer called upstate New York the Silicon Valley of Greek yogurt and the nation's capital of cottage cheese. At the time of this recording, Senator Schumer had not announced whether he would introduce a new bill or propose an amendment to existing legislation. Representatives Ron Kind and John Lewis introduced a similar proposal last year, its House Bill H.R. 860. We'll keep you updated in future podcasts, but if you have any questions in the meantime, contact my partner Stephen Tracy in our San Francisco office at 415-356-8000. And now, to a Chuck on the other side of the aisle. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa last week proposed an amendment to the Bring Jobs Home Act that would restore tax credits for wind energy. The bill came to the Senate floor on July 30th, but it was filibustered by Republicans, and the Senate did not vote on the bill. This turn of events was expected, unfortunately. Senator Grassley said when he introduced the amendment that he was introducing the measure to draw attention to the production tax credit. The production tax credit, as you know, is one of about 55 expired provisions included in taxes under legislation that passed out of the Senate committee in April. Now, in state historic tax credit news, I have some confusing and vexing information from North Carolina. First of all, last week, the House Finance Committee in North Carolina amended Senate Bill 763 to modify and extend the state's historic tax credit. Now, the historic tax credit was added to Senate Bill 763, and this bill makes technical and clarifying changes to various revenue laws. Now, for income-producing historic structures, the bill now includes an historic tax credit equal to 15% of qualified rehabilitation expenditures up to $10 million, and 10% of qualified rehab expenditures greater than $10 million up to $20 million. In addition, there's a 5% bonus in the bill for properties in certain targeted development areas. Now, this bill would fund the historic tax credit program through January 1, 2020. Now, Senate Bill 763 has passed the House and the Senate. The governor, though, has not talked about his plans for this bill. But he did put forth a state historic tax credit program earlier in the year. Now, I say confusing because I need to point out that this bill, SB 763, is not the state budget bill and has not been passed. We've discussed the state budget bill in previous podcasts. The House and Senate have passed that budget bill, and the governor has indicated that he planned to sign the bill. And unfortunately, the state budget bill does not include funding for the historic tax credit program. And as such, as things stand today, it looks like the state will be without an historic tax credit program. Now, to read Senate Bill 763, go to com, and we'll keep you updated on the status of an enacted historic tax credit program in North Carolina as conditions warrant. In the meantime, contact my partner Charlie Rudin in our Boston, Massachusetts office with any questions. Well, that brings you to the end of this week's report. Join me again next week 
for another Tax Credit Tuesday. And if you have suggestions for topics, send an email to cpas at novaco.com. This is Michael Novogratik, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archive discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.